Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Before we get into today's episode, let me tell you why. If you're thinking about starting your own podcast, why you should start it on Anchor.fm. First off, it's free. There's no monthly subscription. There's no yearly subscription. And you can store all your content in one place. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more audio platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And hey, who doesn't want to make money on the words we say? It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And come on now, that, that just makes it way too easy. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What's up, everybody? Just kicking a podcast. I'm Justin Huntsman, talking hoops, shoes, and literally what's ever on my mind. Let's kick it. What's up, everybody? Episode 49 of the Just Kicking a Podcast. Today's guest is Mark Schindler. But before I bring him on, as always, guys, if you enjoy the content, remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. The uh, excuse me, the podcast is available on any audio platform. Been saying it so many podcasts in a row, I started to slip up on it. But today's guest is Mark Schindler, co-creator and co-host of Premium Hoops, contributor and podcast hope for Indie Cornrows. Mark, how you doing? I'm I'm really good, man. Thanks for having me on. It's a it's a humid. What day is it? I think it's Wednesday. Humid Wednesday morning in in Cleveland, Ohio. So uh, just kidding. I've been writing all morning. Just about done and ready to get out my first. Uh, prospect profile for 2022 um but no it's going good man i can't complain i've been able to watch a lot more of the wnba now that that's kicked back up just enjoying basketball in all forms man how things been on your end i'm just getting back from vacation obviously you can see there's not much appearance difference i don't really tan i got a louder up sunscreen now i like being under the umbrella and whatnot but you know had a little bit of a 10-day hiatus was still watching summer league on vacation but it's nice to kind of relax these basketball seasons have like been morphed into into each other been condensed and honestly i mean Summer league finished last night. Today's the 18th. Summer or, uh, training camp's gonna be opening in like two weeks. Don't really have that much time off, but like it's nice to take a breath for a sec. We are 62 days away from opening tip off on October 19th. Uh, I've been counting down. It's a slight, <laughs> slight problem, but uh, yeah, man, it's uh, I, I just got back from kind of vacation too. I was in Vegas for summer league for five days. It was a wild ride. Uh, saw a lot of basketball, which I know is what we're here to talk about today, but. Uh, yeah, the way that I mean, it feels like the season just ended hmm. it, it, kind of comparatively, but also if you think about it too, like for some teams like uh, yesterday, obviously like Memphis, uh, Los Angeles and Minnesota, were all doing trade together. And I mean, their seasons all ended very different times, like the Clippers season ended like beginning of July. Memphis has been out since June uh, and the Timberwolves haven't played basketball since I think the last week of April, first week of May, right, right in there. So it's just, yeah, the way everything's starting to, to file out, even with this being closer to a regular offseason compared to last year, it's still uh, it still feels pretty quick. Like, I'm ready for basketball to be back, but I also, like, I'm really bad at taking time off. Yeah. So that's been uh, – trying to figure that out has been interesting, and I'm hoping to do so in the next week or two. But, yeah, basketball is, is – it's getting a lot closer, and it feels a lot closer now, especially after actually having summer league. New schedule comes out on Friday. So we're going to – we already got the – 
Christmas Day schedule and the opening night schedule yesterday on ESPN NBA TV. We're doing that. But you said you're on vacation, you're in Vegas, you're in Summer League. So before we get even to the basketball and the games, just how was it? How It was your first time, right? So, like, how was the experience? Yeah. What was it like? Yeah, so, yes, it was my first time. It was kind of uh, kind of overwhelming in some ways. Like, the actually being at the Thomas and Max Center was not, like, that's, I mean, that's stuff I'm used to, and I felt good about that. But being in the city itself is uh, is very different, um, not due to size or anything, just in terms of, like, you can't go anywhere without seeing – a giant bright screen without seeing some kind of advertisement without some kind of spectacle. Um, that's how it felt going throughout Vegas. Like just walking down the strip for a half an hour, you're exhausted, not because it's hot outside, but because there's, you're just, there's like uh, sensory overstimulation in some ways. Um, so I was, uh, I was ready to be out of Vegas by about day four because it's just, it is a lot to take in, but um, and especially too, I mean, we're coming out of the pandemic, so I shouldn't even say coming out, we're kind of going back into it in some ways, but I mean, seeing that many people around in one setting for like the first time in like two years was a lot. Um, but yeah, so I, on that, on that hand, it was a ton, like also too, I mean, just for example, there's this place called the Aria, which is a, one of the hotels, casinos there. I actually walked by Shamsharania and there was like two o'clock in the morning, which was super random, but it, like that's part of the thing like you just see anybody and everybody out, out out and about but this place like it's like this super they have like the super advanced mall on the side of it um so all of the stores it's like an outlet store for balenciaga and versace and like basically i walked through and i'm like oh yeah i can't i can't <laughs> like look at any of these stores but it's really nice that they have it here <laughs> like so yeah that's a, i think that's like a nice microcostal view of uh, of what it's like walking through vegas in some ways I'd walk in those outlet stores and look at it. I'd be like, I can't even afford the socks right now. I'm just getting to keep <laughs> yes, it moving. Exactly. Um, pretty much. But I've never been there. So obviously after your first time, are there any suggestions? Because I'm hoping to go next year. So for people listening that are thinking about going in next year, years to come, are there any suggestions you have as someone who's now been there and done a few things for a few days? Yeah, so I have a couple. Uh, number one, uh, book things early because okay. they – uh, luckily I did, uh, but I mean, just like in keeping up and keeping track of stuff, I know friends who started booking stuff later and a, it's more expensive. B it's harder to find somewhere. Um, I would also say too, like my biggest thing that I'm going to do next year is get a hotel or Airbnb with a kitchen because the amount of money, like, so I think my average meal cost there was over $20. Like it's insane. The, the, the price on everything is not something I'd even like contemplated. Like, I knew there were going to be more expensive places. I didn't think it was going to be everywhere. Um, like even if you go to like uh, just like Starbucks is like a, an $8 latte for a grande. It's insane. Like stuff like that. Like the, everything is, is charged upscale because it's a tourist spot. And that was not something that I thought about. We'll definitely have that in, uh, in, my, in the back of my head before I go next year. I would definitely recommend that. I would also say uh, – don't overplan things because it's, it's a lot to take in. Like it's hard to see everybody. And uh, actually like, I didn't get to see everybody I wanted to, like I ended up having my last day there. I kind of just ended up like crashing and staying in the hotel for most of the day and watching all the games from there because I was just like kind of tired, like all of my sleep and every sleep deprivation caught up to me. Um, you know, just being uh, kind of exhausted catches up to you. But um, yeah, I think those would be like my main, my main takeaways from it for sure. Okay, you usually have interesting food takes on the timeline. We're gonna we're gonna wait to get to those at the end. Let's dive into some basketball and what we're here for today. You just recorded yesterday for the Indy Cornrows. If you're a Pacers fan, if you're an NBA fan, 
go check that out as well. But let's dive into Chris Duarte first, 13th overall pick. And on my timeline, the first reaction was that people weren't happy with the pick because he was labeled as a really old rookie. He's going to be the oldest one at 24 years old. A lot of people thought because of that reason, he shouldn't be a lottery pick. I saw it the other way. I actually loved him. I think too much we look at age instead of how much their talent can improve over the next few years and what that correlates to. He's an all-around very, very good prospect. Carlisle doesn't like rookies either is another thing that I noted with the Pacers. So I was like, they're going to need someone to come in and fill a void right away, obviously losing Doug McDermott. And I thought Duarte had a pretty good time in Vegas. What did you think of him? Oh, I thought it was fantastic. My friends over at Sports Info Solutions, uh, which is a great new uh, analytics service, um, scouting service, I should say, they've really been ramping up stuff with basketball. They were doing a, uh, I believe it was a points added leaderboard. And I think Duarte finished top three, even with mm -hmm. missing the last game. He was fantastic. Uh, like I, he, he definitely blew my expectations from out of the water. Like I thought it was going to look good at summer league. He looked great. He looked like he was one of the five best players there uh, for the most part. Um, he looked more athletic than I was expecting, which I was, a, I was definitely a fan of that. Um, he popped defensively quite a bit. I uh, did a lot of stuff in transition. I liked too. Um, I mean, the team was really focused on getting the ball in his hands uh, and trying to just force as much uh, offense as they could through him to see, you know, what would happen. Um, and I was like pretty encouraged, encouraged by it. Like he's not somebody who like, I, I mean, we knew this coming in, he's not going to beat people off the dribble just one-on-one. -on -one. Um, but you know, if he's like, he was able to do a little bit running some pick and roll, especially coming off of actions. Like if he was being asked to run like a straight up spread pick and roll, it wasn't awesome. But if he was doing like, if he's coming off of an Iverson cut and flowing into a, into a ball screen, like, that stuff looked really good. And that's more of what we're going to see from him at the NBA level, in my opinion, especially early on. Um, I was really happy with the shooting too. Like he was capable of doing stuff off movement and uh, you know, off of one dribble pull-ups last year uh, incorporated some step backs in here, hit like, I felt like every single quarter he was hitting a buzzer beater and looked good at the rim too. I think like there was a little bit more with the playmaking that I was, uh, I was impressed by too he wasn't an awesome playmaker at Oregon, just being completely honest, especially as a downhill driver. Like he's a good downhill driver, but he's not good as a passer out of it. Uh, I thought he made some improvements there, at least showed it uh, in the, in the four games he played, uh, especially once the defense starts to adjust to what he's doing. Uh, he was good with finding dump offs, made a couple of corner kickouts. Um, so that's more stuff that I want to see. And I, I was impressed by it, but yeah, I thought, I mean, Duarte looked fantastic. And I agree too. Like, um, he wouldn't have been my first pick, but I still think that he was a deserving lottery pick. Like I had him in like the, around the 20 range. And I thought it made sense. And especially too, like you mentioned, like just looking at it, like I understand wanting to take somebody who's younger, who quote unquote has more upside. I don't know. You know, we really just aren't going to know until that stuff actually plays out. But, um, like you mentioned, this is a team trying to win right now. I would so much rather that they say, okay, we don't have time to develop somebody, or at least we're not going to put our resources into that. So let's take somebody who can help us right now and develop along the way. So I appreciate that they were at least honest about that, because if you take somebody like Moses Moody, who, I mean, he could factor in right away, but let's say like, I mean, JT Thor wouldn't have gotten drafted 13th overall, but if you take a guy like him who has a lot of, a, a lot of uh, development needed, who wouldn't be able to help win right away. And then he just gets buried on your roster. Okay. Well, that's a waste of a draft pick and you have tanked that guy's career to start off. So I do appreciate the way that they've handled things. And it makes it a little bit more interesting with Isaiah Jackson, too. 
So first thing I want to touch on, you and you touched on drafting the wrong guy. I thought the Mavs did with Tyrell Terry because Carlisle wasn't going to play. I mean, he's another guy at the end of the depth chart that's not going to get at really any reps. He was down in the G League, which is a fine developmental plan to start. But like Carlisle takes a little time then to incorporate him where you're looking at Duarte. And I feel like Summer League is the opportunity to see what two guards could be a backup point guard in a pinch. And that's why I like the reps given to Duarte. It's like, okay, what can he do if we have to give him these reps? The shot-making ability was there. I just think all around he's a solid prospect that can probably be your seventh or eighth man next year and just give you reliable minutes night in, night out, which is what Indy's looking for right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I agree. I don't know if I – I'm not really there on Chris Duarte as a, as a backup point guard. I mean, I think yeah, that's yeah. part of the reason why they re-signed TJ McConnell. Like, yeah. I just don't know if he's like, he's not going to be able to put a dent in a defense in my opinion and, and capitalize on that. But like, I would, I definitely agree. Like the, um, like he just, he's a guy who's going to fit in as a, a dynamic ball handler, dynamic playmaker who can, who can factor in as a, as a shot creator, both on and off the ball. And that you need more of those guys. Indiana needed more of those guys. I think they're still missing uh, some, some defensive ability uh they really didn't solve any of their answers like they're one of the least athletic teams in the nba right now and chris is like i'd say pretty much an average athlete he has he's outlier i mean he's better in some areas than others but i think that's one of the things they're lacking i mean you, again that's one of the things you're probably getting with isaiah but he's still a little ways away but um yeah i would i would agree like i i thought it was a good uh, a very good draft pick Let's move over to Isaac. You just touched on him. And obviously he is athletic freak. That's kind of what he was branded at coming into the draft. And you're right. I don't think, I think he's going to be mostly playing for the G league uh, team next year, but what did you see from him? Because I thought he showed the athleticism, the run, the rim running, the shot blocker. The one thing is the, the guy jumps at everything. Like, so yes, he does, man. Uh, so, uh, yes. So there's positives and ne- negatives to that, obviously. So obviously he's going to get five or six blocks. Like he did whatever that was two or three days ago in the first half. But there's other games where it's going to be like, you don't get 10,000 summer league, like you're going to foul out in five minutes. And that's where the developmental plan comes in. But just looking at the whole picture from Vegas so far, what did you like to, uh, that you saw from him? Oh, um, yeah, I think the biggest thing for me with him is like, especially for a guy who's going to be more of a, I don't necessarily like saying project, but a guy who needs a lot of development. Um, and like Chad Buchanan, who's the GM, had, uh, on the day after the draft, talked about how they view him as somebody who's going to play in the G League and develop there. Like he's not ready for NBA minutes. Uh, and that's another thing that I like. Like I'm glad that they recognize that right away and are, are willing to admit that um, because we've seen teams who do not do that. And I mean, the Pacers have done that themselves. Um, so I appreciate that. But looking at Isaiah, um, like for a guy who needs a lot of those developmental reps, uh, he is super willing to make mistakes. And I appreciate that because that's necessary. Like if you want to see a guy hit their highest outcome, they have to be uh, capable of, of making mistakes. Like even in the game against Washington, I think he shot 29% from the field, um, but it was his most impressive game to me. Like um, he didn't have a double double. He didn't have like, I mean, he had a game where I think he had like 19 and 12, but that was mostly doing rim rolling, like nothing like crazy. Like in this one, he was playmaking from the elbows. He tried throwing a couple of really risky passes. Did all of them work? No, but he's trying stuff. And I like that. Like, I think the idea for him, especially is because they view him as a four moving forward is like, okay, well, he has the feel, he has the processing to see the game. Can he make those reads consistently? Like he did a lot of stuff of just trying to make quick touch passes, which he did some of that at at Kentucky, but he tried to do a lot of that, especially later on in the summer league games. And I like that. Um, I also like to like 
uh, he's he tried to face up a lot more in that that last summer league game, especially with with Duarte out more. The offense ran through him. That's stuff I'm really going to be looking at when he plays in the G League because that's what he's going to need. Like they ran a lot of uh, like they he'd curl into the corner and get a pin in from from the wing in the corner and get a wide open three. And they're trying to already work that on that for him. He took some more above the break stuff in that game too. But what was probably most impressive to me was the perimeter defense. Like he had a play. I think it was either end of the second quarter or, or middle of the third quarter in that Washington game where, you know, he slid over to protect the rim on a drive. The ball got kicked to the corner where he was supposed to help on. To, I mean, where he was helping off. Uh, closed back out. Guy drove. He slid, cut the drive, drive off baseline, and ball got kicked out. And, like, that's the kind of stuff, like, if you are six foot ten and you can do that, that's fantastic. There are very few guys who can do that. Um, and he did it without fouling too. Like very few of his fouls came on the perimeter, which I, I that's something that I find encouraging too. Like I was expecting a lot more, um, a lot more fouls to happen with him guarding on the perimeter, but he looked great sliding. Uh, um, most of his fouls came just like like we mentioned, like jumping and stuff. I think he has a lot more to work on there as a rim protector and, and interior defender than he does as a defender on the perimeter. But I mean, I, I still found that really promising because there just isn't anybody on the team who can do that right now. As good as Miles Turner is, like Miles Turner is a better rim protector than Isaiah Jackson's ever going to be. He's probably the second best rim protector in the NBA right now. But like, he doesn't have the same athleticism Isaiah does to get out and contest and recover like that. Uh, and that's something that teams really missed. So I think you can you can see the framework and the idea behind why they drafted him and, uh, and how he would slide him moving forward. And I, I'm, I'm really encouraged by what he's looked like so far. Well, it's funny you bring up Miles Turner because this leads me right into my next question and that he's always brought up in rumors about possibly being shopped around the league. But I look at a guy like Isaiah Jackson, I go look at Miles Turner, I go, that's a perfect mentor for him. Do you think that's a possibility? Do you think Miles Turner is possibly on his way out? Because I like when guys that have similar skill sets, obviously, like you said, Isaiah is going to be more athletic, but if he can learn to protect the rim a little better from Miles and just more comfortable with that relationship, do you think there's a possibility there or do you think miles could be getting moved on from in a few years uh yeah man it's tough i mean i think especially through miles is such a, a great dude so i always like having him here um or i'm not in indiana indiana right now but like having him in indiana like you know i'm not a fan or anything but just he's a great dude you like seeing him succeed it just seems like given how everything's worked out the, the way that things have looked in reporting like if anybody is sent out it's going to be him because he's always been i mean it's been like four years now uh, that he's been in the running for being traded, which I, I mean, props to him. I don't know how you function still yeah. and, and compete at that level when you're constantly in trade talks, because that's a lot. But like you're mentioning, one of the coolest things about being at Summer League was getting to see some stuff in person. Like for most teams, they had the majority of the pro rosters came in and were sitting front row for, for those games. So like watching the first game, I think it was against the Hawks that I got to see because I my flight was late, so I missed the Knicks game. But against the Hawks, I mean, Miles was like upstanding talking to Isaiah throughout the game, like calling stuff out for him. Um, and that was really cool. Like most of these guys are here. They're they're looking at it more as vacation. They're just hanging out, being around their teammates again for the first time in a, in a minute, unless they'd gone out and done summer camp. Um, that was cool stuff to see. Like, and it's not like a, a someone's good or bad for, for doing it or not doing it, but like, it's just cool to see that guy. Like, I mean, Isaiah is not, I, I wouldn't say that he's like coming in to take Miles' spot or anything, but like, there's just aren't, for the most part, most guys are not wired to go out and be like, all right, I'm going to go help this rookie succeed right now. Um, so seeing that was really cool. And like you mentioned with that, like, even with Goga Batadze, like, Goga's been very vocal in talking about how Miles has helped him to learn more of the nuances of defense. And we've seen it in game. 
So yeah, it's a, it's a really finicky thing in looking at that because Miles is a really valuable and impactful player. And I think more so than um, he tends to get credit for, especially from the general fan. It's a, I'm not really sure what's going to happen there. I, I imagine, like my guess is that one of the bigs is going to get moved sometime this season, if not before, but I could also be wrong in that. But uh, that's just my initial read. Like he does do a lot and it would be really cool to see Isaiah grow uh, learning from Miles for sure. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And you brought up Miles talking to Isaiah. Those are the little things you catch when you're in a gym, actually right near the bench or yeah. right, right, right behind them. The things that I miss, like not being it, because those are the little things that you can't see. And let's move off to the Pacers, because you said you were there for a lot of games. Who else were you able to see and kind of caught your eye? Because it is different watching uh, a game of basketball on TV versus actually being in stands and being like 12 to 15 rows away from them. Yeah, no, definitely, man. Um, Gosh, who really popped in person? Evan Mobley looked awesome in person. Okay. I know his numbers weren't great uh, watching the game between him. I mean, him and Alperen Shangun just went at each other yeah. for an entire half, which was great. Um, like, Shangun pretty much owned that first half uh, against the Cavs. Not, not like it wasn't like I think a lot of people were like, oh, he's like dominating Mobley. Mobley wasn't even defending him most of the time. It was uh, – I mispronounced his name. It was Mifiandu Cavangeli um, was getting most of that matchup. Uh, the Cavs summer league roster was kind of a mess, in my opinion. Yeah. But well, they had um, no point guard. They yeah, no, they had no point guard. How are they, you, they, they, you going to draft Evan Mobley and then not get a point guard to help him? Get great to question, play? man. I was kind of wondering the same, but they clearly they decided you know he'll figure it out. Uh, but I mean, Evan Mobley came out in the second half and absolutely dominated. Clearly, the better prospect. Like Shangun looked really good, but I there were a lot of disingenuous takes. Like, oh, Shangun should have gone over Mobley. I'm like, no, let's let's stop that right now. Uh, Mobley was just watched the second half. Who else? I mean, Cade was fantastic in person. Watching him against Jalen Green was really fun. I thought Cade had a better game actually. Like, it was really rough for Cade in the same sense as as it was for Mobley. Like. I liked Tyler Cook a lot last year. Um, he could not catch anything. He dropped, like, it felt like, especially in that Houston game, he dropped at least five or six interior passes that were perfectly placed to him. He couldn't finish around the rim. So, Cade, I think, finished with, like, two assists in that game. He should have had four or five more if he had any kind of roll gravity from from his, his guys around him. Um, he wasn't as good, like, you know, in terms of seeking contact at the rim as you'd want, but I think that'll come with time. I'm not really too worried about that. Jalen Johnson looked incredible. Like he looked very good in person, uh, like athletically was, was fantastic. You saw a lot of the stuff from him that was, you know, hope, hoping to see, uh, like he was getting utilized on the move a little bit as a, as a passer, which I like, um, looked very good in transition, still has a ways to go defensively, but I liked watching him play. I think about who else like I was like I I know a lot of people kind of soured on Jonathan Kaminga and I was more of like a later lottery than an upper lottery guy with him I thought he had a really good game um earlier on I mean not earlier on like middle like I'm trying to remember which game it was against I think it might have been the game against the Cavs I thought he was really good his finishing numbers weren't awesome but like he got to the free throw line a ton he's normally a guy who pauses a lot when he gets the ball 
And he had a, a lot of opportunities there where he, he, he just caught the ball and drove automatically. And that's the kind of thing you want to see from him, see him grow into that. And I'm hoping that that's something that will continue with him. But I, I mean, like he wasn't amazing, but he definitely has some moments that really impressed me. I liked Moses Moody a lot. I've always been a big fan of Moses Moody. Like I, it's hard not to, I still don't, I can't believe he dropped out of the top 10. Um, man, who else stuck out? I like watching some guys who were returning players. Like I thought KJ Martin looked really good. Yeah. The three ball was still falling for him. Um, I am just really fascinated by what the Rockets are going to be like this year. I don't necessarily agree with everything that they've done but I'm really intrigued by what their roster is going to look like moving forward. Najee Marshall was absolutely fantastic for the Pelicans. Like I thought he was just about the best player at summer league, if not the best player, especially like if you're taking out guys who are drafting yeah. top five, but um, the, the whole Pels team was, was good to me. Like a lot of Trey Murphy looked really good. I thought some people got a little too excited when he had the 26 point game. Most of that was hitting open shots, but yeah. like obviously credit to him for hitting those shots, but like, we, you know, 26 points, there are different levels of 26 points. Those yes. were hitting a lot of open shots, doing stuff off movement, which I was impressed by because he was not a great movement shooter last year at Virginia. So seeing that was cool. He did a little bit off the drive, um, looked very good defensively. I mean, the whole trio of wings for the Pels was awesome. Najee, Trey Murphy, uh, Herb Jones looked fantastic defensively and is doing some stuff with his handle too, uh, which, you know, I was expected coming out of Alabama. Uh, I actually probably enjoyed the the Pels team the most out of any team that I watched. They were just really fun. Have a really good group of young guys. Man, I'm trying to think. Like I like I've I've watched so much. There's a lot of guys who have, who have been intriguing. Like James Booknight, I thought looked looked really good. He had a very up and down summer league. Davion Mitchell's been fantastic. He was a guy who I thought would probably thrive in the setting too because he's you know just like a crazy work ethic guy, like always in the gym. I mean, like overall for the Kings, I was impressed with a couple of their guys. Like I like Louis King a lot. Yeah, I thought he looked really good offensively. He's going to need to have a good year for them this year for sure because they just don't have wings. Man, who else? Uh, Trey Jones had probably the best game at Summer League for the Spurs. The game um, winner. Yeah, that was a fantastic game from him. I think he'll play real minutes for the Spurs this year. I could go on and on, man. I don't know if you have anybody else <laughs> that you wanted to add in, but. No, but you touched on a bunch of things and this leads into uh, like what's transferable from these games because you have to watch Summer League and like a few things I always watch like, People that put rim or put like a uh, pressure on the rim. You can't always take that in summer league a ton because the help side defense isn't consistently there. So like some things like that, but you touched on Mobley, his playmaking is going to translate to the next level. There was one game. He had like six assists. He was hitting guys on backdoor cuts. I actually think him and Isaac Okoro were starting to get some nice chemistry. You touched on Shengun, who I think, I want to see him at the next level because him popping at summer league does not shock me because of what he did in the Turkish league. I just need to see him against NBA level athletes. Like the handles there, the skills there, the vertical pops, not though. So like, I need to see how he deals with all that. I think he can be valuable, but I need to just see it again against NBA level athletes consistently night in night out. You touched on Cade. I tweeted something out that night when they played Houston, like he should have seven assists right now. Like nobody could hit a shot. He's creating. That's, that's where we overrate these things of like the Rockets. I think won by like 18 that night or something like that. Everybody's like Jalen outplayed him. I was like, what I liked about Jalen that night is the shot wasn't falling. He was getting to the free throw line and he was still getting his points, which is good to see. But Cade overall had a better game defensively and his defense was actually a little shot. Yeah. Cade's um, defense stood out to me. Like I thought that's shocker. the best defense I've ever seen a number one pick play play with. And I mean, granted, I don't normally watch summer league now that I'm officially coming to the league like I do, but I mean, the, to come out the way that he played, especially like, I mean, he, he, he took it personally playing against Jalen green 
Oh, 100%. I think there's, so a, cool. there's a nice little rivalry there. Oh, yeah. Everybody's freaking out. Like, they're like, uh, Jalen Green, like, you just said you wanted to live in Detroit. It's like, guys, he wants to be the see this game. every single year from every. a guy who thinks he got snubbed. Like, that's just part of the, the mindset that goes into being a top-level athlete in some ways. Like, I yeah. I think that was more to me, like, Jalen Green is 19 years old. It, should he have said it? Probably not. But, like, whatever, man. It's like, it's a fucking quote. Yeah. Like, it, sorry to start swearing your pie, but, like, nah, we good. took way too much out of it. Yeah. It's just, like – yeah, it was dumb. See, I just think it's fun now because him and Kate have a little something. Like, I don't think it's anything more than that. They're probably friends off the court. They've been playing each other on the circuit for five, six years now. Mm-hmm. And you just put so much into it. It's like, no, nah, it's just like, it's a little banter of like, I think I'm better. You think you're better. Wow. I no wonder we're top two picks in the NBA draft. That's kind of the mindset you need to have. But the last one you touched on, Davion Mitchell. Look, I liked him in summer league, but that draft pick makes no sense to me by Sacramento. Like, I, I just don't know what their plan is right now or the team building because you take Halliburton at 11 last year, you just paid Fox the rookie extension and their GM, Bob McNair says, we're going to play three guard lineups. And I look at the three guards. Okay. Fox is at best an average NBA defender, probably below average Tyrese Halliburton below average. And then that means what Davion Mitchell is guarding wings at six foot six one. And I like Davion as a defender, but I don't think he's going to be effective against six, seven, six, eight wings. Like, what did you think of that draft pick? Because he looked great in summer league, which like you said, was expected, but like, I think he can be valuable off the bench for Sacramento, but I don't understand the mix they have here right now. Yeah. Um, no, it's a little confusing. I think, uh, you know, I, I was, I was thinking about this this morning too. And I tweeted out, like, I, uh, I like him a lot as a basketball player and I think he's going to be a very good player. Um, and frankly, Sacramento just needs more good basketball players. So in that sense, I get it. Uh, in another sense too, like it's just hard to have guys who want to play in Sacramento in some ways. Like that's more my own conjecture, but I would imagine that plays something into it. Like Davion's a guy who would be like, okay, fuck it. Let's play basketball because he's in Sacramento. Like he's not going to care. You know, he's just like, all right, well, let's build a winning culture here. Let's be better. That being said, though, the fit is weird. Like, I think part of it probably factors in, like, I would imagine Buddy Heald's – I mean, Buddy Heald's been on the trading block. I'm sure that they're looking to move him still, especially to free up more money to to have some more flexibility. But even then, like, a three-guard lineup with them is so weird. Like, Rashawn Holmes is a really good defender, but he's not an all-NBA defender. Uh, he's still kind of undersized as a center. Harrison Barnes I like a lot. And he's going to, I mean, ideally in that three-guard lineup, he's playing more at the four. But then, like you mentioned, like Tyrese Halliburton's more of a combo guard than a wing to me. I think he's a good off-ball defender, but, like, asking him to defend somebody on ball, especially a bigger wing, is just – that's really odd. Like, it's – yeah, it's I, – I don't I don't think that would work. I'm expecting De'Aaron Fox to become a better defender this year. He was, again, like you mentioned, I think he was uh, pretty subpar last year, especially given what he can do uh, and what we saw at Kentucky – like, I think he, he'll be a better NBA defender in time. Part of it's, like, how much he's asked to do on ball already, and that defensive environment is just crap. I think Davion helps figure that out a little bit more. Um, but, again, like, you're not – like, even – I think it's going to be a stretch to ask him to guard some two guards. Like, he's got a good wingspan for his size, but, again, like, he's a small guy. Like, it's just hard – like – as well as you play defense, like like somebody who I like to bring up a lot is like TJ McConnell. Like as good of a defender as TJ McConnell is, especially at the point of attack, sometimes you're just too small to contest somebody's shot. Like if Davion Mitchell's defending Bradley Beal or like uh, James Harden, like he might do really good on him at the point of attack. But at the end of the day, James Harden and Bradley Beal are three, four, five inches taller than him. 
Davion's wingspan is what six foot five. Like, okay, if they're getting height on their jumper, how are you contesting that shot? Like with a real, like a good enough contest that it's going to, to bother it a lot. So there are definitely a lot of questions there, but I also think like Davion has looked really good and it's not just like, Oh, he's old. He should look good. Like he just has been one of the better players at summer league, but yeah, I'm definitely interested. I'm tracking to see like, what is this going to look like throughout the year? I, I, I think they probably won't play that three, three guard lineup too, too much because that'll be really tough to do. But yeah, that's a, that's a great point, man. Last thing I want to touch on, because you touched on Trey Murphy and he was hitting open shots. And the, my big takeaway is like, you're going to get those during the year. Cause, because if they keep rolling into this point Zion, which I think they will with how they're building the team, like I expect either Trey Murphy or Najee Marshall to be in the starting five next year. Uh, just hit open shops. Like that was my encouraging thing. Like it's like Trey Murphy, you don't have to be sexy off the dribble or things like that. Just hit open shots. Like, get shoot 38 to 39% from three and you will have a very effective rookie year just because last year in new Orleans, the spacing was so bad. So that was my positive sign for them. Yeah, no, definitely. I, uh, I'm curious what they're going to do. It seems like they're not going to start Kira Lewis. I have no real read on that. Like I, I think that they should start Devonte Graham. I'm not sure that they will. I, th- that then begs the question, are they going to start to kill Alexander Walker? Cause I think you're going to keep either, Devontae Graham and Nikhil Alexander Walker on the bench because those guys are more like like Devontae brings a lot more as a playmaker I think Nikhil is like someone who ideally is going to become a better playmaker but he brings that self-creation a little bit that I think is going to lend itself more to being a six man but he does stuff defensively that's really good too so he's not just like you know empty or anything but then it's like okay well then how are you feeling everything out between that and Zion and like obviously Valanciunas is going to be starting I personally would probably have Najee Marshall out there because he can run a lot of stuff. He's good coming off of the second side. Um, He played really well with Zion last year. His shot looked better. Um, I don't know what he shot from three in summer league, but at the same time, like I, it's such a small sample size. I don't know what to take from him. If I remember correctly, actually he shot pretty well from three. It just was from the line. He was a little bit rough, but I think he shot 34, 35% down the stretch with new Orleans once he started and that's like good enough next to Zion where he's getting defended. He's not hesitating on shots. So I think it looks good with him. And I think in some ways you just need more ball handlers around Zion because the spacing is so good vertically that it's like, well, whatever, you know, we'll figure it out. Like you have to have spacing obviously, but it's not just the three point shooting. And I think like, they'll probably, um, I, I don't, I don't have a read on Willie green as a coach, but I imagine they're going to do a lot of stuff to, you know, test things out, try new things. I wouldn't be surprised if Trey Murphy spent some time in the starting lineup, but it's just going to be like trying to see what it looks like with him adjusting to the NBA, because especially too, like, like he looks good defensively in this scenario, playing up against, you know, more fours and threes who are, uh, you have been in the NBA for like, you know, past the rookie contract. I'm interested to see what that looks like, because I still have concerns about Trey's uh, like physicality right now. But regardless, like I, I am very excited about this crop of guys coming up for, for the Pelicans. I got a little pushback on this the other night, but I don't know how much Kyra Lewis is going to play this year. I'm just interested in how they arrange it because I look at their starting five as Nikhil, Najee, Ingram, Zion, and Jonas. And then your bench, they're probably going to run nine a game. I would think you go Devontae, uh, Thomas Sadoransky, Trey Murphy, and Jackson Hayes. Like, I feel like that's their nine guys. And I just don't know where minutes come in for Kyra Lewis. If you want to say he's going to outplay Sadoransky at some point this season, I'm open to it. I'm just not sure how they're going to fit in minutes for him. That's going to be the interesting debacle for them after taking him in the lottery last year. Yeah, that's a great point. I think um, 
I mean, they're going to have to is the way that I would put it. Because, I mean, like you just mentioned, they took him in the lottery. If they don't play him significant minutes in his second year, like I would argue that they didn't play him enough last year. If they do that again this year, that's problematic. So that's a good – it's a great question. I think they'll probably run deeper, though, like especially looking at this year for uh, everyone. Like looking at last year, we saw a lot more rookies, just younger guys get run because of all the health and safety protocols, just injuries. I think we're going to have a little bit more of that this year too. Um, we're not more than last year, but like, I think we'll see that more than we would in a regular, regular year, because again, we're coming off of like already kind of a shortened off season, just like a different year. So I wouldn't be surprised if they ran a 10, a, a 10 man rotation. And also they just have like so many wing size guys and yeah. they need somebody who can actually get to the rim. And that's not Thomas Sadoransky. Like I like Thomas Sadoransky, but like the bulls asked him to do a bunch of that last year and he couldn't do it. So it's not going to be any different in new Orleans, in my opinion. And I, I'm high on Kira. He didn't have an awesome summer league, but I think he'll look good uh, next year. But it, yeah, it's they're a really weird team to try and figure out and, and project looking at next year because I just have no real feel for for who they are. I really have not liked a lot of David Griffin's moves, if we're being completely honest. Um, with it's a really big year for them. They're going to be an interesting team to, uh, to touch on. But look, let's move over and have some fun now. Your food takes always come up on my timeline. I see it both ways. Okay. So give me your best and worst meal when you were in Vegas. Ooh, what was the best? Um, it's a good question. We went, so me and, uh, and a bunch of other people who covered the league that I'm friends with, we went to uh, this place called Lemongrass. That was in, was it in the Aria? I think it was in the Aria. It was actually like reasonably priced. It wasn't absolutely insane, but I had duck fried rice. It was insanely good. I had duck fried rice and a Mai Tai and it was, uh, it was a great night. I was a big fan of that meal. The worst thing I ate, I didn't really think like I hated anything. The only thing that was bad was uh, the popcorn at Thomas and Mac Center. Like they cook it beforehand. I mean, they pop beforehand. So it's like not actually that warm, kind of stale, was definitely a waste of $7 when I got it. You get like a whole bucket, so it's not like super overpriced. But um, do not expect it to be movie theater popcorn at Thomas and Mac because it is very much so not. Um, it's not like the worst thing ever, but like considering like you're at the, you're, you're there, you've watched three straight basketball games and you're hungry and you're like, oh, I'll get some popcorn. So it's kind of shitty. So, you know, that's the only real complaint I have. In-N-Out was great, too. I had In-N-Out for the first time ever. Okay. Um, I actually saw Mike Budenholzer In-N-Out, which was kind of wild. Uh, just like was walking to the bathroom uh, and I was like, oh, shit, that's that's championship head coach Mike Budenholzer. But yeah. Um, no, I don't, I don't think I, there, there really wasn't anything bad that I ate there, to be honest. All right, people, if you're at Thomas and Mac, don't get the popcorn. That's the only thing we take no. away today. But this is the favorite part of my show. This is where I hand it over to you. You can plug your social, your stories, where people can find you, the pods, the stories, the articles you write, everything. The floor is yours. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. It's been a fun, really fun pod. I, I needed this break today from writing. Um, you can find me and if you, uh, if you can't, no worries. Uh, but if you do have the means to, uh, to support me while I'm looking for a full-time job, uh, you can find my Patreon. I have it linked in my Twitter at M Schindler NBA. Uh, I do all of my work over at premiumhoops.org and indycornrows.com where I cover the Pacers. Um, I host both of those podcasts. We just type up premium hoops, Indy cornrows, or even just my name, Mark Schindler. It'll, you'll find it. I'm, doing podcasts pretty much whenever writing a lot so yeah you can find me uh, especially on twitter is easiest place to find me for sure well that does it for episode 49 that's mark schindler and just like that we're out
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.